Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And uh, if I sound a little different, it's because I'm in a completely different place. <laughs> I am home. I am, I am currently home right now. <laughs> so <laughs> just to kind of nip that in the bud. But today we're going over another Wildcat victory. And that's the only WNV that really matters on this episode because it sure ain't West Virginia. So <laughs> the Wildcats ended up taking the victory over the Mountaineers in Morgantown, 48-31. to and let's just dive straight ahead into the game day takeaways. And first and foremost, this game was way sweatier than it should have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's a good way to put it is sweaty. Cause I mean, within like three minutes, we were sitting here thinking it was about to be an absolute just slaughter. And which was a fair thing to think, because, I mean, we were at 14-0 in about 180 seconds. And then, uh, I mean, West Virginia came back and then all of a sudden I was thinking we're about to be on the receiving end of a last year Texas Tech and (laughs) blow the game after a hot start. But then we had one of the most uh, explosive all around first quarters that I've seen in a while. I mean, we Finished with like a halftime score at the end of the first quarter, 28-19. Um, then obviously, like we 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 win, we lead the rest of the way, but it was a little bit too back and forth uh throughout the game. Defense really settled in in the second half, but it was a a rough first half for the defense. Like I'd say to the almost to the level of last year, Oklahoma State, with the level that we struggled, with the lone exception being the early pick six. Um, and that may be a little bit of hyperbole, but it, it was not a good first half for the defense. But then again, they only allowed uh, six points in the second half. And they only allowed, I think, 25 throughout the game because there were some missed extra points and everything. Um, but it was a one of the worst performances of the of the season for the uh, the defense, which is unfortunate. But the offense was uh, fantastic. Uh, it could have been a little bit better in the second half, but they didn't really need to. So, uh, not going to complain too hard about that, I guess. Yeah, that like you said, I at the beginning, it, it felt I thought it was just going to be an absolute drubbing of West Virginia. And then it very slowly turned into not that. And a lot of that we'll get into in a minute. Actually, no, we can get into it now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The defense this game took a massive step backwards. And I feel like that's a little bit of an understatement because as many playmakers as West Virginia has, they're not a particularly great offense. At least they shouldn't have put up 31 against us under any real circumstances. And a lot of that kind of comes back to one central question, which may or may not spoil one of the, the grades upcoming. But I, I guess the, the first part of it is, do you agree that the defense took a massive step back? And also, how much of it do you think was, was Kobe Savage being gone? Because I saw a lot on Twitter that and I know my source being Twitter really helps my argument, but 
Kobe Savage was kind of the glue guy. He was kind of the really like a great communicator on the back end. And a couple of times it seemed like there were communication errors. So what what do you think about the the two of those? I think I think that there's a lot of truth to that, especially in the first half, because a lot of the big issues I felt like defensively did come in that first half because um, West Virginia, they only had uh, really two good drives in the second half. Uh, They had one in the third quarter that took up like eight and a half minutes and it was like 16 plays. Didn't really like do it very efficiently. 16 plays, 49 yards, and they missed a field goal and then they had their touchdown drive in the uh fourth quarter um but other than that they really didn't do a whole lot um in the uh in the second half but you go back and look at the first half drive chart other than the the pick and the turnover on downs it was it was a tough sledding for the defense and you go back and look at those touchdowns it's three passes um that targeted the safeties um it was, uh, I think Josh Hayes a couple times and it was Josh Hayes all three times he surrendered all three touchdowns. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm not going to trash on Josh Hayes because I do think that like, like we, like you said, I think Kobe Savage being out does play a really big role in that. But I think also another big thing is uh sincere Mason going out early and not being able to finish the game. Because I think we practiced all week with the expectation that we'd have sincere to rotate in and guys like VJ Payne and Nikendra Steiger weren't going to have to play uh, extended snaps, but instead we have to adjust on the fly. And then all of a sudden you have Cheatham and Hayes and one other guy and Hayes has to step up and be the lead communicator uh, on the, uh, the back end. And that makes things a lot more difficult uh, for him because he's having to do things that he doesn't normally have to do. Now, he did have a week of preparation, so some of that is, of course, on him. But that is still a tough position to be in. Um, two of the um, touchdowns are directly his fault. One of them uh, was Cheatham. He kind of flipped his hips a little bit too early, which um, it is what it is, I guess. But um, I, I definitely think missing Kobe Savage is a huge reason that this that West Virginia was as successful as they were um, in the passing game, at least, uh, especially early. And then... Uh, uh, losing sincere only compounded that and made things even more difficult. I will say the defense did buckle down, of course, in the second half. We definitely talked about that a little bit already. They they really did a really good job. And the offense was really good too throughout the entire game. Even if they weren't putting up as many points in the second half, they were at the very least uh, moving the ball a little bit and keeping the ball away from West Virginia, uh, at least to a certain extent. Um, but it was... Um, Tough sledding for the uh, for the safeties, uh, especially early in the game. They got to figure it out a little bit better um, as the game went. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of communication issues when people are kind of moving around a little bit and not necessarily doing what they're used to. Um, and then you're having to keep a young guy like BJ Payne uh, ready. So it, uh, it it was definitely tough to watch at times. And they definitely should not have torched us the way that they did um, early in the game. Um, but I, I, I do think with a, another week of preparation and hope maybe getting sincere back, I don't know how serious his injury was, but, um, but you, you got to hope for that to get another experienced guy back. Cause he was, he was really, really good uh, before he went out. So, but yeah, 
missing Kobe was a really, really, really big impact on the passing game. Although to be fair, the rush defense had its its own fair share of um Kobe issues. Moments. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Outside, yeah. Next up is is the topic of Will Howard and you know, outside of the pick six where he was just really late on that throw. And like he that's a throw that needs to be out a lot sooner. And you know, you Cade, you could argue is like, oh, Cade should have should have boxed him out. No. <laughs> like it it's one of those things that, yeah, it's nice if he does, but it's that shouldn't 100 percent be his responsibility on a more timing based like scat route. But Outside of the pick six, Will actually looked really, really good. And, you know, the, the pick six came at an inopportune time and made us sweat a little bit. But what was important was, to, to quote the Rocky movie, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's how many times you can get hit and get back up. And Will only took that metaphorical one big hit, which was the pick six. And then the rest of the game, he looked pretty good you know naturally he had the perfect throw to Ben Sinnott in the back of the end zone that you and I both thought was picked when we first watched it but it was literally just a perfect throw and if you look at something like his PFF grade for example it it doesn't tell even close to the full story but you know Will Will had a good game I'm gonna go get water I'll be right back (laughs) you can talk for a second no yeah I I definitely thought Will looked pretty good in this game. That interception was really frustrating um, just because of the timing of it. And we were off to such a hot start and it really felt like we, uh, we, we, we just really like kind of threw, threw ourselves at the ground there. And it, I mean, getting out to a 14, nothing lead. And then uh, all of a sudden it's 14, 13 after just like that, like the snap of a finger. That was very, very frustrating. Um, then, of course, they stretch it out again, but they West Virginia just kept hanging around just a little bit throughout the game. And this is a game that I feel like if Kobe Savage is healthy, we probably put it away a little bit earlier. But um, I he he wasn't, so not not going to put that qualifier on it. But and, and then even then, like the running game struggled at times. But uh, before we get into that, yeah, Will was really good. Um, other than that, uh, throw and they had one throw a little later that was a little suspect, but he really shook off the interception pretty well. Um, I think older or younger will, I should say, uh, he, uh, probably lets it linger a little bit and gets a little bit more timid, but he did not at all. He, he he said as much in a, in a post-game presser that younger him would have let that bother him more. Oh, well, that was just a coincidence because I did not see his presser. But <laughs> uh, yeah, he uh, um, shook it off as a uh, second pick of the year. So he handled that really well. And uh, yeah, then Ben Sennett had another really great game. Only three catches instead of seven. But regardless, you know, 85 yards, all of his catches were big because uh, he had a that big like 39 yarder. That was a fantastic throw from will the big thing that you could tell from the replay was the anticipation that will threw the ball with which is something that we haven't seen very often recently even from skyler we didn't really get a lot of anticipatory throws um but will he threw benson it open and was 
anticipating him being open as opposed to waiting for somebody to be open right in front of him. So that that was really impressive from Will Howard. And then uh, Ben Sinek continues to find ways to really be good. Um, and also a uh, light shout out to Sammy Wheeler, who um, had his uh, first uh, impressive catches in a while, it seemed like. Because this year, if you go through his game log, he really hadn't done anything of note until uh, uh, this game. It's all been like one catch games with like a check down. And that's been it. And he he was actually pretty good this game. It seems like we made a concerted effort to kind of use Ben Sinnott as like a tight end decoy to get our other tight end open, which I, I, I enjoyed. So I I was happy to see that, um, especially early. Um, but yeah, Ben Sinnott continues to be really good. I also I, I definitely thought that that touchdown was intercepted, um, but it was just a a perfect throw from Will, a really great concentration catch from Ben Sennett as well. Um, ben Sennett will be in the NFL at some point at this rate. Really I, th- well. I, I think that we, I think we can look at him until he has the traits um, and everything that a team wants in an NFL tight end. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be like a day one or two pick he'll probably go in like the fifth round or something like that no, he's going number one overall i mean i'd allow that i think that'd be really cool i'm just not going to get my hopes up for that yet but i don't know maybe maybe when he gets his testing numbers we'll we'll feel differently but or at least i will but <laughs> he runs a four one yeah I'll, he well he needs to run a little harder in game then but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's and he's putting up really impressive numbers this year, especially for K-State's tight end, because K-State famously did not use the tight end for most of Bill Snyder's tenure um, in Manhattan, save for the a few exceptions like, uh, oh gosh, like uh, Brian Casey. Um, and there's a few other guys I probably can't think of. Justin Swift, I guess, is a guy that comes to mind. But Senate, yeah, 25 catches, 356 yards, three touchdowns, all those touchdowns and most of the yardage coming in the last handful of games. Uh, so fantastic season for Ben Sennett, uh this year, far beyond uh, expectations. Because I can remember when uh, people were wondering why he was starting. And he uh, has definitely proved it uh, this year, proven that he belongs and that he's a, a really good weapon for this offense to have. Yeah. And to to kind of speak a little bit more before we move on to, to stats about Ben Sennett, I, I think a big part of it, is just he is quite literally whenever you think of the stereotypical tight end you hear on nfl broadcasts you hear oh the tight end is the quarterback's best friend i really think that it is he has absolute he had good chemistry with adrian don't get me wrong but the chemistry that he has with will is just different like they understand one another it's it's not quite to the level of like mahomes and kelsey because I'm not sure that there exists many outside of like there. I'm not sure there exists many combinations that have a better or had a better understanding of one another. Maybe Rogers or Rogers and Jordy and Rogers and Adams, but you know, I it there is an understanding between those two that you know you're going to be here. I know you're going to be here. I trust you to make this throw and I trust you to make this catch and. That's a big part about, you know, playing receiver, playing quarterback is having that trust between the two. And Ben Sinnott has proven that not only is he worth it, every single time he just keeps paying it back more and more. 
And I think the the chemistry he has with Will is is nuts. It's insane. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a a, a really good uh, line of communication between those two, uh, verbal and nonverbal. And uh, I, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch because Ben Sinnott, he's got 10 receptions over the last two games. I I don't have historical stats, but I'm sure that a, a Clint the K-State fan uh, could provide more context for uh, the history of K-State tight ends and how the season stacks up. Um so. But it, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch Ben Sinnott grow. Um, I'm hoping, don't want to get too much into the preview, hoping that we use Ben um, in the uh, KU game. I think that that would be an effective weapon um, for um, their defense. Uh, again, I don't want to get too much into the preview, but I, I, I could see him having a big day. Yeah. It's not a visual medium, so you guys can't see the fact that I was nodding my head the entire time and mouthing the word, <laughs> yes, it will be to Connor. But, <laughs> but now we can go into stats. I think uh, I think who took defense last week? I'm like 90% sure it was me. Okay, so I'll take defense this week means you got offense. Process of elimination there. Splendid. <laughs> Um, Will Howard, he had another great day. He hasn't quite been able to break that 300-yard mark. He's come within 10 yards twice now, uh, but just hasn't quite been able to break through uh, that barrier. But 19 completions, 27 yards, 290, 27 attempts, I should say, 294 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, which was the pick six, had a long of 43 yards and he was sacked for the first time all year in this game uh he had a a a really 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 good game obviously i'm stalling as i pull up pff numbers and he uh his adjusted completion percentage was actually not as high as it was last week it was 76 percent, so uh still good but not not like last week um but yeah that puts will howard he's on pace at this point to fairly comfortably break his uh previous best for yards in a season which was like 1170 something and he should do that against KU DJ Giddens uh true freshman he a retro freshman I should say he had uh probably his best day of the year 12 carries for 78 yards one touchdown average 6.5 per carry had that long 49 yard touchdown run in the first quarter and we saw more of him down the stretch um, the Deuce Vaughn, he had one of his least efficient days of the year, 22 carries, 67 yards, a touchdown, average three yards per carry. He started off hot. He had that touchdown the first possession, but didn't really do much beyond that. Uh, Will Howard had four carries for six yards. He had a 13-yard carry on, I think, the first play of the game and then had a sneak for a touchdown. That was about it. And Malik Knowles. From the clown just, car formation. Yes, from, from the, the Cro-Magnon formation and made its triumphant return to the field uh and then malate Knowles, he had a jet sweep that went for a yard um and then getting into receiving uh we see malate Knowles had six catches for 111 yards and one touchdown uh another really great day for malate Knowles. i i he is finally over the last month or so really started to reach that potential that I think K-State fans have seen in him for so long that he's just never quite realized and he's finally 
seemingly reaching that, that especially back against like Oklahoma State, uh, even the Texas game, and then uh, today against West Virginia, a few days ago at this point, West Virginia, uh, six catches, 111 yards, a touchdown. Uh, that long of 43, that was a really great touchdown grab. Uh, we're on the comeback right at the sticks and then made a great turn and then just had to outrun. Um, and then obviously he's having the best season of his career. He's got 669 yards thus far through the year. Uh, ben Sennett had a great day as well. Three catches, 85 yards and a touchdown. Puts him at 356 yards on the year, 25 catches. Uh, then Sammy Wheeler, he had two catches for 44 yards. By far his best game of the season. Uh, Philip Brooks had four catches for 38 yards. Uh, Kid Warner had four catches for 16 yards. And that does it for uh, players that registered a statistic. Uh, RJ Garcia was getting some snaps, but I don't recall that he was targeted uh, unless I'm not remembering correctly. So he, he had a target deep and uh, oh, that's he wanted right. a P that was the PI ball that he wanted real bad. It was underthrown, but it, uh, it, it wasn't pi <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't bad i i remember that now uh we, we sent him deep and i i i really want rj to get a, a touchdown at some point this year uh but i don't know maybe it'll be next year at this point but uh that does it for the uh offensive stats yeah so i got you for the defensive stats and um for for the leading tackler if you had Brendan Mott on your bingo card for leading the team in both tackles, TFLs, and sacks, no, you didn't. He he had eight total tackles, three sacks, 23 yards lost on those sacks. Then Daniel Green had seven tackles. Drake Cheatham had six tackles. Khalid Duke also had six. Des Purnell had five. Austin Moore had five tackles and a TFL. Echo had four tackles. TJ had three. Sincere had three, as well as a pick six. Jacob Parrish had three tackles. Nick Allen had three tackles. VJ, VJ, Julius both had two tackles. Julius had a pick. Jake Clifton, Felix both had two tackles. And Felix had a, an attempted murder on Garrett Green that uh garrett green decided it'd be a good idea to try and get into felix's face it, garrett green if you are listening to this please i for your own health and never do that again felix is more than capable of using you as toilet paper josh hayes <laughs> had one tackle kendry steiger crew jackson eli huggins jalen pickle and uso sayamalo all had one tackle and didn't register any other stats but you know, it was a solid overall performance. You know, two picks for the defense, holding Garrett Green to just over 200 yards passing, and that's considering two very long passing plays on semi-balloon coverages. And also only letting Garrett Green get a net of 17 yards on the ground. I His big threat was his legs, and I will still stand by the fact that he's not the greatest passer in the world, it's just that any competent quarterback, any competent power five quarterback can hit busts in coverage. It's just, that's what he did. But yeah, that does it for statistics. Now we can get into game day grades where we go through every single position group, including offensive and defensive coordinators, giving them a grade from F minus to A plus. F meaning they single-handedly lost us the game, A plus meaning they nearly single-handedly won us the game or had a near-perfect performance. 
So let's start off with the man under center, and that is Will Howard in the quarterback room. Now, Will, this is one of those performances where I would have certainly given him an A if it weren't for the pick six. We already went over why, he, but I ended up giving him a, a B plus, and we kind of went over it in the, in the game day. So, Yeah, I gave him an A minus. Um, just I, I felt like he was really good. I really liked how he bounced back from a, an early poor choice to have otherwise a really good solid and steady game where he still quietly almost hit 300 yards uh, on just 19 completions. So he, he had a really good day uh, despite the pick six. So a minus for me. Next up is running backs. And this is, this is a weird one because obviously you're so used to Deuce being great that this game sticks out because he didn't seem as much like himself, I suppose, is the best way to say it. Because normally Deuce has really, really good vision, really, really good ability to jitterbug through holes. He didn't do that today. He just, his vision wasn't bad, but it wasn't to his normal standard. And, you know, he's still Deuce, so he got his, I believe he got, what, like 70 yards on the ground? Mm, About. But... Uh, DJ Giddens actually was probably the better of the two running backs, at least statistically cut. And, you know, they, the running backs still get an a minus because DJ was that good, but you know, it, it I, I suppose we are a little bit spoiled, read a lot bit spoiled whenever, you know, deuce doesn't give like an a plus performance, but it's still worthy of the entire room getting an a minus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I honestly kind of agree. Deuce, other than the uh, touchdown run on the very first drive, he did have a rough day. Um, he, the vision was a little off. It felt like he he missed a few open running lanes. Um, and all around had a, frankly, below average day for his standards. Um, three yards of carry is not good at all. DJ Giddens, though, he did have a really good day. Uh, 78 yards on 12 carries is really good with the touchdown. Granted, 49 of those did come on one rush. But even then, he was running uh, with a lot of power uh, the rest of the time and showed a lot of fluidity and athleticism to go with it. Um, so I gave a B-plus to the room, but Deuce has got to do more. Yeah. Next up are the wide receivers. And it, it seems like every single week they've – they've made significant progress and the only way that I can really describe it is they're getting open when they need to Malik Knowles is finally living up to his potential after four years of waiting for it. I ended up giving them an a, and the only reason it's not an a plus is to me, they were one really big play away from someone not named Malik like say if, if Phil Brooks had like a, a another 20 yard catcher, Cade contributed more than I think what, like four yards or something that he had four if catches he, for 16 yards. Okay. So he, he didn't do a lot. It, it, they were one bigger catch away from getting an A plus, but an A is nothing to scoff at at all. Yeah. I gave him an A as well. Um, Malik obviously had, a fantastic day, one of the best days of his career. 
Uh, and then Phillip and Cade were still good, even if they didn't put up great numbers. Uh, Cade didn't contribute a ton in terms of yardage, but he was still fighting really hard uh, and uh, showing a lot of toughness when he did have the ball. Uh, again, would still like to see more, but you know they didn't have bad days whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, Malik really carried the room uh, in, in this week. But they... As long as we're having one person have a good day, that's better than what we've been used to uh, in past years. So, you know, Malik, have a, have a day. Have a day, Malik. Next up is tight ends. We already went over it. I ended up giving Ben Sinnott and Sammy Wheeler an A+. Also, shout out Andrew Lane Gang for coming in at fullback. You you get a portion of this grade too, big guy, and it's an A+. I gave them an A. The only thing that stopped me from an A plus was they could have blocked a little bit better, which to be fair, that's a team wide criticism, but receiving wise, they were really great. Couldn't ask for much more. Um, and then blocking, they were still fine, but could have been better. So an A for me, uh, still a really, really good day for the tight ends fullbacks. Yep. Next up is the offensive line. And this is another week where, the pass blocking unit was insanely good, only giving up one sack. And the run blocking unit was just okay. It, like if I were to separate the grade, it'd probably be an A minus pass block and a like a C minus in terms of run block. And I ended up just averaging it out and giving them a B. There was no, it was good. Cooper BB obviously is always going to stand out. Hadley Panzer wasn't awful. It was mostly whoever got whoever drew Dante Stills. If it wasn't Cooper Beebe, they were have they were not having a good. They were straight up not having a pleasant experience playing football, which is fair. Dante Stills is really good, so I ended up just giving them a B. I gave him a B as well, um, for very similar reasons. Uh, the run blocking left a lot to be desired. The pass blocking was really good for the most part. Um, yeah, we gave up one sack, but. That's the first time Will's been sacked all year. So I'll I'll take like one sack every four games. Like I, I can accept that. <laughs> and uh but Will was uh or I guess the offensive line. They were they were really good um uh in the pass block, but definitely leaving a lot to be desired in the in the run block department. But nothing that we haven't seen them improve on before. So definitely not worried in the long term whatsoever. Nah, not really. Next up is the defensive start side of the ball, starting off with the defensive line. And this is one that I kind of walked away disappointed in because they didn't have an amazing game. They had an all right game. I feel like the biggest complaint that you could have is outside of Brendan Mott. If you look at the stat sheet, there isn't much. That does kind of ignore a lot of context, though, like the Matlick uh, deflection. Mm-hmm. Felix getting constant pressure and even when <laughs> even on plays where the whistle was <laughs> was not blown I, I still stand by the fact he didn't hear it which is fair but I I ended up giving them a B plus mostly because in the running game they weren't great to me they and granted West Virginia's offensive line is they're not pushovers they're not bad but you know it, it they could have 
they could have done a little bit more in the running game to stay a little bit more gap discipline. And that to me was the the biggest problem. And it's something that kind of extends on the rest of the defense, but B plus is B plus is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. I gave them a B um, again, you know, pass rush was really good. Brendan Mott uh, having a career day, puts him at six sacks on the year. He doubled a sack total. Uh, and then Felix, yeah, he didn't register a sack, but what, one of Brendan Mott's sacks, it probably should have been Felix, but Green just stepped out of the way at the very last second and went right into Brendan Mott uh, and Uso Samalo. Uh, so it, it was a, a good day pass rush wise uh, for the defensive line, but run defense did leave a lot to be desired. Uh, the West Virginia run game was doing quite a bit. Uh, I will say it feels like we've been a little bit lucky with run defense uh, and that our offense has been able to stay ahead. So teams haven't been able to run as much against us. And yeah. I think that's something that we really need to shore up and be aware of um, because I mean, uh, one of West Virginia's running backs, Jalen Anderson averaged almost 10 yards a carry. Uh, Justin Johnson had 11 carries for them. and He averaged almost six yards a carry. Uh, it, it's something that we need to keep an eye on and really try and shore up before this last game and hopefully going to the big 12 title. Um, it's, it's, it's not, I, I'd say it's something to be moderately concerned about, but defensive line still had a solid day. Otherwise uh, they get a B. Yeah. Next up is the linebacking room. And this is probably the room that I felt played and it's weird because they were sent on a lot of run blitzes, but I feel like they probably played the run the worst. And it mostly comes down to Daniel green getting really over aggressive and sifting way too close into the trash on a lot of running plays. I'm not sure if he was told to do that, but there are some times that you might have to ignore orders, (laughs) but in coverage, they were surprisingly pretty solid. But it really is the run defense that kind of drags their grade down. And they weren't awful at it, but they weren't great. So kind of balancing it out, I ended up giving them a B. Yeah, I was more disappointed in the linebackers uh, in terms of run defense than I was with the defensive line for a lot of that reason, because we adjusted to try and get them more involved uh, and bring them on run blitzes. And it really just wasn't effective at all. Um, so I gave them a C plus, uh, for that. Like you said, Daniel green was just playing way too aggressive and it was, uh, hurting our run defense quite a bit, not leaving some open lanes past the second level for some chunk plays. Uh, Austin Moore was fine. Uh, but I mean, he did have one tackle for loss, but he wasn't outstanding or anything. Like when he was getting his hands on people, he was doing well in, in that regard, but, Still wasn't phenomenal, uh, but it was a an okay day for the linebackers. So they they get a C plus. At this at this point in the season, I do expect a lot out of the linebacking group because we've seen them at their max potential. So I I, I would like to see some improvement. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, defensive backs. Uh, let's just uh, real quick safeties get a D minus and uh, it, it wasn't pretty. It was a pretty game for the safeties. The corners, if we were separating it, I'd be end up giving them like an A or an A plus it averages out to a B for me, but I don't want to dog on Josh Hayes that much as a defensive back. You're going to have rough games. That just happens. Sometimes this is just, 
this was Josh Hayes's rough game. And it's unfortunate that it happened. And it's unfortunate that it happened against Sam James. But I don't know why I said that like Sam James is a bad player. He's not. But <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. But it really does come down to Drake Cheatham flipping his hips too early. Josh Hayes getting having a bad day as a defensive back. VJ Payne not quite being up to speed as soon as he gets in. He settled in fine. But the safeties missed Kobe Savage, and they missed him dearly. The corners were amazing. Echo and Julius, as well as Jacob Parrish. Jacob Parrish, I have to mention it every time. Every single time he steps onto the field, I feel like he's pointing and laughing at me. He doesn't know who I am, but he, he's metaphorically pointing and laughing at me. He's like, ha-ha, look at this idiot who thought that I couldn't play corner. But <laughs> it, it balanced out to a B for me for the defensive backs. But the safeties were not great. Yeah, I gave a B minus overall for the room, but again, you know, you separated out. I gave the safeties a D plus and the corners an A plus because I the corners were truly fantastic in this game. Echo was inches away from his first interception uh, of his career. I've accepted that he's just not going going to get one. It's, it's not point, happening, which is really really sad. Um, but the it, that's just probably how it's going to go for Echo at this rate. Um. Beyond that, uh, Julius Brands had the pick and was really, really good uh, throughout this entire game and completely shut down Bryce Ford Wheaton. Bryce Ford Wheaton only had two catches for 12 yards in this game. So really, really excellent, excellent work by the uh, corners and Julius Brands in particular uh, for for that. Uh, and then, yeah, Jacob Parrish, he almost had an interception. Instead, ended up with a PBU. Um, just... Uh, really really great stuff from the uh um from the defensive backs and they they or from the uh the corners specifically I should say they uh they have a, a lot to be proud of uh for their performance in this game um but yeah then the, the safeties they just they really really struggled in this one which um uh, I understand because it's a uh, it's a it's a tall task to come back after you have already lost kind of the one of the leaders of the defense in Kobe Savage, and then you lose sincere Mason as well, who I think has been really underrated this year. Uh, yeah. he, uh, as a rotational safety, he would start at safety on a lot of teams, and he's rotating in for K State. So there's very little drop off when sincere comes on the field, and that that has gone unnoticed uh, for a lot of the year, and. Losing him a little early. Hopefully he's able to come back. Uh, but that that was tough. Josh Hayes had a really rough game, of course, in multiple respects and coverage and honestly in run defense and tackling too. He just all around had a really tough game. Uh Cheatham was not great either. He was better uh um in things that weren't coverage, at least. And VJ Payne was a true freshman. He's someone that's gonna get a lot better. As time goes on, so I'm not worried at all about him. McKendre Steiger played very limited snaps, but was unnoticeable, which for safety is good. So yeah. he and then Sincere was fantastic before he got hurt, but then you lose him, and that that just makes it a lot more difficult. But overall, B minus for the defensive backs. Yeah. Next up is the offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. And 
every single week, I feel like I don't feel like he's hit his ceiling. And I feel like that's what makes him so exciting because he keeps calling really well-called games. And he's avoiding what at the beginning of the year I thought was his biggest problems, where he had seemingly drives where it would just be, all right, brains off, figure it out. I don't know. But I A pluses are reserved for near perfect performances. So I'm not going to give him an A plus. I'm going to give him an A because I do feel like there were times that he was kind of forcing the issue with Deuce running up the middle whenever it wasn't. It wasn't not working, but it wasn't working as well as you'd think. And I feel like we could have taken advantage of Deuce in the receiving game a little bit more. Could have taken advantage of Deuce in the outside zone, toss play more. But other than that, if my one complaint is something you didn't do as opposed to you doing something bad, he had a really great day at the office. So I ended up giving him an A. I gave him an A too. He was really good. I think you said that well, uh, that it doesn't feel like he's reached his ceiling. And I, I agree. Uh, just the feeling that I get from watching him call the, uh, call a game. It feels like every game, there's like a couple plays that probably could have been a little bit better. And I, that, that's honestly comforting uh, because that means a client still has room to grow and he hasn't uh, topped out. He called a really nice game. I mean, we scored 41 points in the, uh, well, the offense scored like 34, but uh, 34 in the first half, which is really good. That's now the second time I guess he's uh, done that in the last month with Oklahoma State. We got 35. Yeah. Uh, and then it, I was happy because we could definitely could have taken our foot off the gas and gotten a little bit more conservative. And it didn't really feel like we did um, until it was like very late and we were trying to chew clock. Uh, I, I really liked um, how Klein attacked this game. He's really utilizing Will uh, in good ways i think um i he he seems to understand his strengths as a quarterback really well um trying to um get him some outbreaking stuff some stuff at the sideline and mixing in intermediate over the middle things as well um and letting will really see the field and uh just do what he does best so i i gave klein an a uh, just for really continuing to grow and really being a, the offensive coordinator that we were hoping for yeah Next up is Clarendeman, who was put up the week that he's put up for one of the awards of best assistant coach. He has arguably one of his worst games of the year. <laughs> and it ultimately ended up in him getting a C plus because I feel like he was slow to adjust. And that's so strange for me to say, because I feel like that's actually been one of Clarendeman's biggest strengths this year. But continuing to call run blitzes when the number one thing that we needed was not necessarily more people in the box at the snap, but more people flowing alongside a play and making sure cutback lanes weren't open or making sure that you're playing gap sound. And also continuing to put Josh Hayes on an Island. And again, I hate to keep going back at him because it feels like I'm dogging on the guy, but I, I, it's truly not my intention. DBs have bad days. The best DBs in history have had awful days. But, you know, just leaving Josh Hayes in an island a couple more times than he probably should have, especially leaving him in an island on man coverage when the shelf is like 10. That's 10 yards off the ball, I should clarify. But you don't – 
It's possible to play man coverage from a 10-yard shelf in the slot. It's just not easy to do when you don't think you have safety help. And it seemed like a lot of times that Josh Hayes wasn't getting that safety help. And the one time he did, Jake Cheatham, unfortunately, rolled a little bit too quickly. But a lot of that's on the coverage calls. So I ended up giving him a C plus because there were a lot of – he was slow to adjust and a lot of missed opportunities. I gave him a C because I think for on a lot of defensive coordinators in the in the league and uh, in, in the country, this is probably like an average game uh, for them. Um, but for Landerman, this is a below average game uh, and definitely below the expectations that we have for this defense in particular, because this defense has really been great uh, for the most part this year. So it was definitely a disappointing game for the defense. Uh, this was a game I really was hoping that we could – smother West Virginia and just have our way. And we did for about five minutes and and then it was back and forth the rest of the day. We did finally adjust a little bit in the second half um, and play better, but it did take, like you said, it took longer than I think we would have liked. Uh, so a C for, for Kleinerman definitely had worse days before, but this wasn't a great one. Yeah. Yeah. You can say he's had worse days before. That's true. But that's game day grades. Now we can move into MVPs. Do you want to take offensive first or defensive first? Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll let you pick. So uh, I'll I'll go. We'll go offensive, and I'll go offensive first. For me, the offensive MVP really came down to three people. It was Will Howard, Ben Sinnott and Malik Knowles. DJ Giddens would be an honorable mention. I ended up going with Will Howard because in spite of the pick six, there were too many times that he made throws that genuinely made my jaw drop. And Will's the MVP for this game for me. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair uh, decision to make. Um, And one of the guys that you said is who I'm ultimately rolling with, and that is Malik Knowles. I thought that Malik uh, had one of his best games as a Wildcat, and I really, really, really enjoyed uh, how he played. Um, And also probably his two biggest catches on the day were um, clutch third downs um, the touchdown in the fourth quarter and then the play that was just shy of a touchdown uh, in the first quarter uh, where the he got tackled that right that we both flinched yes, because the I ball was, was about to get stripped I was so worried that he was going to fumble on that play but uh, instead we just punched it on the next play but yeah he, it was Malik Knowles for me for being clutch on those uh, big third down situations and uh, just really growing into the receiver that we've all been waiting for. Yep. You have defense in first, though I have a feeling our defensive MVP is going to match. Yep. I I gave consideration to a few other people, like Julius Brents, for really helping to shut down Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sincere Mason for the pick six. But, I mean, at the end of the day, three sacks gets you to the MVP by basically default. So, shout out Brendan Mott. He, uh, he, he leading the team in tackles and getting three sacks, even if one of them is with a hefty assist from Felix, you know, he, he still had a great game and you can argue that he honestly forced the interception to sincere Mason. Cause if you go back and look at the highlight, Brendan Mott just absolutely destroys Garrett green right as he's throwing that ball. So Brendan Mott had 
really, truly fantastic day. One of the best days of the year for a K-State defender. And it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. So he deserves yeah. a lot of credit. Yeah, it, it's Brendan Mott. I feel like that's the objective pick. But yeah. yeah, it really is amazing how I'm not going to say Brendan Mott has become what I thought Nate Matlick is because I do think it is separate skill sets. And Nate Matlick has just kind of unfortunately been put on the back burner because of the different skill set. I feel like Matlick is a better finesse rusher. Brendan Mott, weirdly, is better with power rushing and strength. But Brendan Mott's been excellent pretty much the entire year, and he's done so quietly. You don't listen to many K-State pods or really read anything about Brendan Mott, but then he shows up, and then his mom gets receipts. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. (laughs) Shout out Brendan Mott's mother for having receipts. (laughs) Next weekend, and finally, we can go into the takeaways. I the last one is will is good. We're gonna go ahead and skip that one because it's we've made it abundantly clear and it's a weekly point at this point. But yep. first is we finally got over the voodoo magic in Morgantown. Finally, I hate more I hate playing in Morgantown. And it all the way at the beginning of the season, this was the one game that every year K-State has won okay, why victory. I mean, one one Y loss and one Y victory. This year's Y victory seemed to be Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma happened. <laughs> but the Y loss was Tulane, not this one. And you and I both, I think, projected us losing here because Morgantown is a hellscape for K-State. But, you know, we overcame it. Good for us. Yeah, I was definitely very nervous about this game, probably more than you should be when like looking at it objectively. But Morgantown does frighten me uh, quite a bit. But we were able to overcome that. And even though the the, the Morgantown Magic tried to uh, um, overcome all rational logic uh, <laughs> with uh, some tomfoolery, but we uh, we still hold out. Yeah, and hullabaloo. Lots of it, but we, uh, um, despite really not playing anywhere close to our best football, we still win by three possessions. So uh, I got, I got to feel good about that. Yep. Um, and then next we are officially one W away from Arlington, either that or one Baylor W, but I don't think Baylor's going to be Texas. So it, I, I, it's effectively one K-State dub from Arlington. And you know what? Just take care of business, and it won't matter, even though Texas does play like 24 hours before we do because uh, yeah. they have a Black Friday game again. But, I mean, we're, we are very, very close to the season goal. Yeah, we can taste it. And I – well, we'll, we'll go into this on the preview episode for the Sunflower Showdown. So be sure to listen to that because that'll that'll be a fun episode because not only do you get Connor, the the growing up K-State fan, not only do you get his vitriol towards KU, you get the current K-State student who grew up in MU fans vitriol. <laughs> I, Two very I mean, different perspectives on the very same thing. 
that ultimately end I, up in the same place. <laughs> yeah, I, I may hate KU more than most people. <laughs> I mean, you have more reason to uh, being a case and a Mizzou fan at various points in your life. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next up is the safety room has become a bit of a concern with both Kobe and maybe sincere Mason out. Kobe's definitely out sincere. We don't know. We, we literally don't know. We don't have sources or anything, but it's, if sincere is out, I begin, I'm beginning to have concerns and it's just because of how thin that room gets. And if sincere is out, I could honestly see us converting more into a true nickel defense where instead of running our three high safeties, we go to a, a more two high look and we have Jacob Parrish playing slot corner or maybe Omar Daniels playing slot corner because Omar Daniels has seemingly been sent to the, the bottom of the ocean by Jacob Parrish. Don't ask where, don't ask where Darrell Jones is. He may be at the center of the earth, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, the safety room depth has become a bit of a concern. Yeah. I am a little worried as well. Um, losing Kobe hurts enough. And then a sincere on top of it, that, that makes it a big issue. Um, because this was a, a room that going into the year, we were a little concerned about, but we have been playing well and that kind of shielded it. And Guys like VJ Payne, if they're playing like five snaps a game, it doesn't matter as much. But someone like VJ Payne as a true freshman playing 20, 25 snaps a game, that's different. Um, that 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 gets to the point where he's going to have to really step up and play beyond uh, what's expected of him. And you you can't necessarily rely on that. So I I'm really, really hoping Sincere will be able to log snaps, even if he's limited in his uh or if he has like a snap count uh that's fine but would love to get something from him obviously we're not going to have kobe um that's a foregone conclusion uh but we we really do need sincere for at least a little bit i think either that or the safety room is a a big concern yeah and then um offensive play calling we kind of alluded to this earlier uh it's been improving weekly it feels like um, I, and I, I, I feel that the offenses looked even more comfortable as the season's gone on, which isn't just a play calling thing. It's a will thing probably as well. He, he's looked really comfortable, uh, behind center. Um, but Klein has been really, it feels like ironing out some of the issues that I think that the fan base had early in the year to the point where he, he's looked very confident as a play caller along with will being confident as a quarterback. Yeah, I agree. That's, I don't have much to add, but do you have any last notes on this West Virginia game? This was just a really strange game. All in all, I mean, getting beyond like the numbers and and stuff, this was one of the uh, strangest games of all time because it really every quarter felt like a totally different game i mean like the first quarter was like a vintage big 12 it's like what everybody on espn thinks the big 12 is still but in reality is what it was in like 2014 and then like the the rest of the game was kind of a, a grinder and i mean we win by three possessions but it did not feel like that because i mean they missed a field goal they missed a couple extra points missed a two point conversion I mean, they left a lot of points on the field. Uh, granted, we did it at times as well, but 
very frustrating game and feels like we definitely allow them to stay in it. Uh, didn't walk away from this game feeling better about the team. Uh, a win is a win. Gets us to eight and three, six and two in conference. Uh, we're one one away from our most wins in the season since uh, uh, 2016. And that would put us one away from our first double-digit win season since 2012. So we're climbing is right on the uh, the precipice of uh, uh, reaching heights that I think only Bill Snyder ever reached, which is a 10-1 season. Because uh, I, I don't think any other coach ever made its double digits other than Snyder. So It's... It yeah, Not every just just copy and paste everything you said. I already did. <laughs> <laughs> so next time that you hear from us, it will be about the Sunflower Showdown, and it's the Sunflower Showdown to determine our fate for the Big Twelve Championship and whether or not we will be going down to Arlington, or at least our ability to do our part in doing that. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, capital C and Cats. If you want to email us, we're Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edwards 00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doomtang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.